WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, home of Southern Sports and Talk, Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. On your mark, get set, let's go. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Mister, will you please wake up, wake up, wake up? Good morning, Kevin Durant. You should have never left California. This bronze sexual upset me in oh, having man. to bring this teenage idiot from Wisconsin into a sports conversation. Are you really surprised that the Cowboys are giving up on Ezekiel Elliott? Whoa, no. Well, no one cares about baseball. Bitch, are you It's time to roll, so let's get moving. Good morning. Welcome to the Wacky Wednesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Glad to have y'all with us eight minutes after the hour. And there's a fight going on in a certain chat group because a certain Patriots fan opened his big mouth and put his foot in it. Talk about that later. And now, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't ready yet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, uh, no, no, you're no, not. No, you're not. Don't you ever. <laughs> don't you ever tell that lie again. With that two and a half foot, <laughs> I'll make a great comparison. That smile of yours reminds me of both my grandsons, <laughs> Jaden and Bray- Jaden and Braylon. They're both three. Mm-hmm. But that smile, that wicked smile you had, <laughs> just a moment. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I did. Don't you ever tell me that lie again. <laughs> oh my. You oh. are you I love you for that, but you stupid. Mm, well, well, a pizzle agrees with me. How you doing, A pizzle? Already? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't even A pizzle. Okay. <sighs> okay. So last night Mm-hmm. While I was snoring out loud, mm-hmm. a certain Patriots fan opened his mouth. I saw. Yeah, you 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 saw that unfortunate thing, right? I saw. Yes, I did. Yeah. I saw it. And he said, uh, "Quote." Patriots all-time linebackers and defensive backs are greater than the 49ers all-time linebackers and defensive backs. Close quote. To wit, my partner, my wonderful partner, spoke up and says, Ronnie Lott, Ronnie Lott says hello. Exactly. That Patriots fan says one guy. He sounds like a bronze sexual, doesn't he? 
Oh. He's a Bradyite and a bronze sexual at the same damn time. That's scary. Yeah, figure that out. If one one guy, you know, the kind of guy, the kind of guy that in, in that graphic you showed me mm-hmm. with the with their nose up in the air and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. That. So I threw the name Merton Hanks out there. Deets followed up and says Deion Sanders might beg to differ. Now, how's this for a list? You Patriots fan, Eric Davis, Bill Romanowski, Charles Haley, who was a left outside linebacker in that 49ers scheme mm-hmm. under the tutelage of one George Seifert. Uh, Matt Millen, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, they might all beg to differ. Keena Turner, Michael Walter. And then Dietz popped in and said, the, and said quote, the 49ers have three linebackers and defensive backs that are in the top 15 players of all time of any position oops um i'm waiting on a certain statement from you sir no oh, oh no lie can't be found I, I, look, I, I don't understand. So the oh, there's more. This 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 fisheye fool oh, said. More. Okay. Hold this fisheye fool said draft only players, not free agents. Okay, so they drafted Ronnie Lott. They drafted Charles Haley. You heard what I said. Yeah, yeah. Kawhi weighing on this. <laughs> <laughs> He's addressed this to a franchise that wrote the book on how to draft. Thank you, Bill Walsh and Carmen Policy, and uh, but please go, go, go Eddie DeBartolo. Yeah, draft only players, not free agents. Well, what do you call Ronnie Lott? What do you call Charles Haley? What do you call Patrick Willis? What do you call Navarro Bowman? And I know this is a defensive end I'm going to name, but it was, since we're talking about defense, and he thinks his team has better defenses, what about Nick Bosa? See, it's supposed to be a mixture of you draft great talent and then you put the cherry on Sundays with key free agents. That's how you're supposed to do it. Um, 40 years have been doing that for 40 years. Mm-hmm. 40 years have been doing that for 40 years. I mean, that's that. that is how a successful franchise can have a, a long sustained drive toward excellence for many let me just just a certain amount of players you can have that for a good 10 to 15 years if you if you build it right Mm -hmm. oh by the way patriots fan you have one supposed hall of fame quarterback we have two that are hall of fame we had two that are hall of fame quarterbacks one wore wore 16 the other wore eight Oh, you're talking about Steve Grogan? Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wrong Steve. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the Fanatics feed Fanatics feedback zone. Cause I looked at the whip around and Paul George exited with apparent leg injury. So that's wow. a sinking that's a sinking ship. Wow. We'll talk world baseball classic when we get back. 
Dante Hightower retires, which sparked him yeah. and this conversation in the first place. Mm-hmm. And my response to him and Dante and about, no, Dante Hightower needs to be in the Patriot Hall of Fame. No, he doesn't. No, no. Patriot Hall of Fame, yes. Okay. Pro, pro, pro Football Hall of Fame. No. Not saying that he isn't a, not saying he wasn't a great player. Okay, he let me, just let me didn't, put it this way. He just didn't really move the needle in terms of, okay, so when you play the Patriots, who on defense do you need do, to do you stop fear? first? Who do you fear the most? And there were there, there were there were a few when Hightower played when you feared somebody on that defense more than he did. More than you feared him. To the Fanatics feedback zone very quickly. Which fan group is more annoying? Brady Ites or Bron Sexuals? Flip a coin. Actually Flip a I, coin. Actually actually with, with Roger Sexuals, they don't really bother they don't really bother nor move me. It's Aaron Rodgers himself that annoys me. Mm-hmm. Uh he also says bow to your sensei and Drew Willingham. Good morning, brother. Love you much. Leave Thomas Edward Patrick Brady alone. Junior. No, we're not gonna no, we're not gonna leave him alone because he made his career off of a damn rule that was only used for one season. And they shelved it. No, 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 no. Thomas Patrick, whatever the hell his name is, is not worthy of a discussion anymore. Period. It's awesome that he did. I said what I, I. You said what you said. I know Neely, Nene, uh, Snowman. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I can't, I can't fault him. I mean, he he made a career out of, uh, out of a faulty rule. Uh, credit to him. Very, yeah, very, very, very faulty. Then you got this compliment for you. This past Monday's mentality oh. was incredible. Thank you, Victor. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for the love, brother. I agree. Thank you. So much so that for the remainder of this week, I'm going to repeat it. Oh, wow. Thank you. I'm I'm working on a schedule, and I'm also working on a partnership with uh, Sports Map Radio. That's one, of my, that's one of my projects today. 17 after the hour, we're due for a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little baseball. Oh, wait, you're not supposed to talk baseball. Oh, yeah. Watch this. Back in a flash. This is Snowman in the Morning. There's a 100% chance of a laugh thunderstorm. Four men with different viewpoints take a movie, show, or documentary and review it uncensored unfiltered uncompromised with no holds barred join bs3 wilkes king doc and h rap b as they take on hollywood their own way bs3 network proudly presents the forecast where h rap b always predicts if i owe you something i ain't got it and if you need it get it from god Live every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Central. Check your local listings for your viewing and listening pleasure. The original Think Drink is back. Level up with proven ingredients formulated to crush your competition. No gimmicks, no jitters, no messing around. Just high-potency results that keep you moving day or night. 
There's a new nerd in town, and we came to play. Nerd Focus. Smarter than energy. Are you waking up in the morning with a sore jaw, headaches, maybe even ringing in your ears, all because you're grinding and clenching your teeth at night? That's exactly what was going on with me. That's when I found this, the Brux Night Guard. Now, the Brux Night Guard redirects the bite force away from the back teeth, reducing jaw pain while still protecting the teeth. This unique design is what makes Brux Night Guard different from all other traditional grind guards. Go to BruxNightGuard.com and order yours today. SeatGeek is the ticketing app for fans like the High Five Strangers Guy. Game-winning interception. First down. Just a nice, solid tackle. If you're in arm's length, you will be swapping skin with this extrovert. You see, he knows SeatGeek got him a great deal on tickets, so he can focus on what he does best, smacking palms. SeatGeek handles the tickets to sports, concerts, and more, so fans can fan. Here's an important message from the Diabetes Solution Center. Do you like pricking your fingers to test your blood sugar levels? No one does, but it's important to maintain your health. And now, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you don't need to prick your fingers anymore. It's easy to use and helps you make more accurate diabetes treatment decisions. If you are testing your blood sugar three or more times daily, injecting insulin, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetes Solution Center right now. And if you have Medicare or most major insurance coverage, you may be able to get a new CGM at little to no out-of-pocket cost. Shipping is free and will even bill your insurance company for you. If you are testing your blood sugar three or more times daily, injecting insulin, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetes Solution Center right now to learn how to end the painful finger sticks and get your own continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, at little to no out-of-pocket cost. Because we take this job so serious. the f*** is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, pardon me. My apologies. What in the all types of blue hell? This is Snowman in the Morning with Cole Johnson. That happened live. <laughs> Those three words that, out of your mouth every time, every time that plays. That happened, is funny. That happened that live. live. <laughs> Welcome back. Um... Did anybody see that World Baseball Classic Championship last night? That incredible, incredible game? See, Team USA and Team Japan just need scrap everybody else. That championship game, we just need to see Team USA and Team Japan face each other every year or every four years in that exhibition, in in that championship. Especially when you have Shohei Otani Facing Mike Trout. Yeah, that dude was dealing. Shohei Otani. My gracious. What what can you say? And Trout is his teammate. Trout is his teammate. And he blew 100 mile an hour fastballs by him. Now Mike Trout doesn't miss many many fastballs. Mm. He missed three of them in that at bat. 
what a classic. When it first started, I kept saying, man, you need to cancel this. Nobody wants to play this. In the immortal words of Ron White, a great comedian, that's profiling. And profiling is wrong. I was wrong. I was dead wrong. What? No, 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 no. You're fine. No, no, no. I, I can't. I can't rock with the war baseball classic. No, I, I can't. I'm sorry. No, no. Yes, it's a wonderful. It was a wonderful stage, and the wonderful final was if great. I, if I USA know you, I think the reasoning is going to line with mine. Go for it. Okay, so we saw with the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, they had a really good game, and and Puerto Rico won, mm-hmm. but. Mets closer Edwin Diaz in the celebration lost is lost for the year and he's gone for the year and I you know what the one thing you're about to bring up is the one thing that frightens me that always have frightened me because two very big players went down with injuries Edwin mm-hmm. Diaz being one and, and I hate to say the other player's name Jose, Jose Altuve Jose, lost yeah. for eight to ten weeks yes yeah see so yeah he yeah he's he's released. Uh-huh at least all of April and possibly all of May. So I'm like, and and I get, of course, when you have country pride, you do go, you go all out. I understand that. And I know, and I know they have winter ball. So I know that, you know, they, they, many of these players play all winter long. So I understand that too. Why? Which, which brings a question to me. and, And this is very hypothetical. Does it seem to you that with all the winter leagues that baseball is going the way of AAU basketball? Am I wrong in seeing in seeing that? I, I, if well, so, tell me where I am wrong. Because it, it seems that way to me, although it's a lot different. But I don't know. I, I just I just love baseball. That's that's it's the baseball fan in me coming all the way out. It's I just love baseball. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I do too. You know that. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to say it this way, but I think it's already gone that way. Yeah, and and I say that because, and I'm trying not to bring this into the into the forefront, but I, but I have to in, in this regard. When it comes to baseball, those of our persuasion mm-hmm. don't even entertain it at all. No, they, they don't. I mean, the, the, those a lot younger than us don't even entertain it. You know, they don't I, want I, it. More and, to the point, they don't want to entertain it. And they don't want to entertain it. Un, un, unlike your father with you and my father with me, because with them, it was such a big love for them, it became the first sport we loved. Yes. That is not the case. With those like our like if we had sons, our sons' ages, or even our grandsons' ages now, so it's to the point now where the sport has been phased out culturally. Not necessarily, yeah. not I don't even think it's really what baseball's done. It's just what culturally has done done it. And and cult and, and culturally that started, I'd say, around late eighties. Yeah. 
I'd say around late 80s is where that is where culture really came into play because you don't see that many black baseball players anymore. And it sickens me. It sickens me because when I when I play baseball, we saw a lot of I saw a lot of black kids really getting into the sport. Yeah. Really, really getting I mean diving like you and I diving deep into mm-hmm. it, learning about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And in my case, for a little while, playing it. Yes. Mm-hmm. All you know, it's all all, mm-hmm. all this. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, no question. No question. But you see more of the Latino persuasion in Major League Baseball. And what part to them? Exactly. I'm not downing them at all. Hey, right. I love Jose Altuve. I love Jose Abreu. All right. Mm-hmm. The Latin persuasion has, no, well, in essence, taken over baseball. It has. The Latin has. persuasion has has taken over baseball. Okay, let me let me say again, I'm not knocking it at all. Mm-mm. I'm not knocking it at all. Mariano Rivera, I tell you anything. Right. One of the greatest relievers ever, and. I mean, one he had one pitch he, for twenty he, years. One, one. Of the greatest ever, and the greatest closer ever. Yes, yep. He had one pitch, one, one, and it, he made it work for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to fo- of our of our persuasion, Frank Edward Thomas Jr., <sighs> aka the Big Hurt. One was awesome. AKA number thirty-five. AKA one of the most all complete. Yes, one was power hitters, purpose hitters. Yeah, ever. One of the most complete power hitters ever. When do you ever hear a power hitter for a career average three hundred at the plate? Right, three hundred one. That's crazy. Three hundred one, lifetime average. You you think a guy like Frank Thomas would like be in the low two sixties? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. low two seventies. No, right. he played eighteen years, and sixteen of those eighteen years, he batted at least three hundred. That's crazy. So it wasn't even that like out. A, it wasn't even like a short window of time. No, it was That's not crazy. That's crazy. It was not a short window. Sixteen of those eighteen years, he batted three hundred. Want another one of our persuasion? Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, the prettiest swing I've ever seen. Prettiest swing of prettiest swing I've ever seen. Prettiest. I've seen a lot of left hand. I've seen a yes. lot of left handed hitters have great swings. I mean, Daryl Strawberry comes to Daryl Strawberry, Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds. Yeah, oh god, Barry Bonds. One of the most compact swings I've ever seen. It's like that's why people don't like that on the bat. Fundamentally, that's why people don't like Barry Bonds. He changed his swing. He did. People he instead of having a long swing that he had in Pittsburgh, right at the tail end of that run in Pittsburgh, and all the way through his run in San Francisco, he had a compact swing. Yeah, he shortened it considerably. Yeah, Jermaine Die, another pretty who went through so many injuries early on in his career. And all he did in 2005 was deliver the championship-winning run and become World Series MVP. Right. And became one of the few players to hit a World Series home run off one Roger Clemens. 
Try that for size. See, when we talk baseball, and anybody that talks baseball with us, we kind of bring facts into the equation. Pay attention, fools. We bring facts into the equation. Now, there's a a couple people that will have the opinion that Ken Griffey Jr. does not have the greatest swing, the uh, the prettiest swing. Uh, We beg to differ, and I think there's a million of us that will beg to differ about number 24. Shoot, I can bring up Dave Sims and have him talk about it, and he'll talk about it for two hours. All I got to do is just plan the breaks within. Mm Mm-hmm. Because Dave Sims have seen has seen and called Ken Griffey Jr.'s games. Yeah. And you know when he got you know when he got a hold of one when he just drops his bat. Yeah. It just looked so effortless when he just got when he just cleared the strike zone with it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. I was it doesn't even look like he just puts effort into the swing. It's just it's just like it's just a natural just a natural um just, just a natural uh, movement. Just, that was poetry. That that swing was absolute poetry. And back to Frank Thomas. When have you seen a big man spray the ball to all fields? That, that, see, that's what I'm saying. That dude, he may be a power hitter for sure, but he was a he, complete he, hitter. That, that's what I'm saying. He he was he was such an all-purpose hitter, all all-purpose and and complete hitter. To where you try to pitch him any way possible, he was a hard out. Period. That I he mean, was. And, and he was, and he was probably the next step down from when 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 people just had no answer for Barry Bonds. They just said, "Okay, well, screw it. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll just intentionally walk this Joker." He, uh, and but the bases loaded, man. But the bases. Uh, we don't care, man, Coach. I don't care. Put him on base. He's not gonna. Dry, he's not gonna get that one swing that's gonna hurt us. Frank Thomas was like one step below that. Because later, in, later on in his career, when Frank was exclusively a de- designated hitter, more than more often than not, they would walk Frank Thomas. They don't care if the bases they're they they don't care if the bases are loaded or anything. They would walk Frank Thomas. Detroit 313 in the house. What's going on, my friend? Good to see you. Hawk TV, good to see you. We're talking a little baseball here on Snowman of the Morning on this Wednesday. Y'all already know what's going on for hour two. Hey, Detroit 313. What up, though? (laughs) How you doing, brother? I heard that phrase all through high school. Oh, I'm sure you did. Oh, I I know you did. Probably from a whole horde of Pistons fans. Who or I should say, people who claim to be Pistons fans, who attend uh, high school. I'm, no, this is a real Piston fan. Oh, cool. You this is this this is. Wait a minute. And I had a nice talk with uh, Chris Pomay last night. We talked Bulls Pistons rivalry. You'll see that conversation later. Mm-hmm. But back to the sport that you and I loved growing up. You want to know why the, this is a theory? Some people will call it a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. You know why there's not a lot of black men playing baseball anymore? It's not 
an immediate payout. That is the ultimate reason why this. That's why. That's Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray. Anybody? That's why when I said it was a cultural mm-hmm. phasing out, that's yep. exactly what I mean. And it's because, it's it's been fa- it's been phased out since like the nineties. Yeah. And yeah, because uh, <laughs> I've had so many people, including exes, ask me, "Why do you watch baseball? That's boring." It's to boring. you, to you. Here's here's the funny part, and I and look as much as as much as we both love Jordan. The the commercialization of Michael Jordan, not necessarily. Yes. We're, we're not talking about his exploits on the court. We're talking about off the court, off the and court. all of his because uh, all of this. Because endorsements. Know, That's the yes, word I'm looking for. Yes. Endorsements. Because, yeah, because so I know I know we outside of Chicago didn't see all of his endorsements. Because I know right. he had a whole ton of them in Chicago. <laughs> but he had a lot outside the of Chicago. Chev- the, the, the Chevy Blazers started all of his Chicago endorsements. Right. And that was 1986. Right. Hawk TV, and, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston, when we're talking about that long money. But you wonder point, yeah. what would ha- you wonder how they would be affected now. Right, they so played the po- baseball instead of football. So you saw the popularity of oh wow. So you mean if 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 I if I dribbled that ball on the hardwood and I was actually was great at it, I can get that I can get that type of money and get that type of uh, that pub. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. And you start to see more and more of our persuasion gravitate toward basketball. And of course, then when the NFL. Started oh, to gosh. get going and get get rolling, and to me that started, I would say probably mid to late nineties, really. Yeah. Then you started. You just had people think, okay, well, all right, I can at twenty one, twenty two get that big time contract, mm-hmm. and 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 we can and have I can have my family eat right then and there. Out, out, out of, outside of college, I can have family eat. It won't be mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. And so then you turn the page to. You know, two thousand. Now, of course, then by by then we you know we had uh, in, in NBA you had Kevin Durant. Oh, Kevin Durant. Well, yeah, Kevin Durant in the early two thousands. But yeah, you had Kevin Garnett and and Kobe Bryant already at eighteen being the league and yep. the popularity of them getting getting some playing time at nineteen, twenty, twenty one. Then mm-hmm. then that was it. After that, any. Any 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 kid that when we were growing up, when we grew up, mm-hmm. that wanted to actually pick up a bat and a glove, wanted to pick up a Spalding. Yes, <laughs> wanted to dunk, wanted to have handles, wanted to, and not not a shot yet, but wanted to have handles, wanted to have have bunnies, wanted to dunk. That that's what they wanted to do, and all of a sudden you start to see the emphasis of baseball being a wonderful sport that we grew up loving and it was passed down to us to love yep all start to fade yep because i tell you, i went through two different gloves you did too oh, oh okay i went through two different i went through two different gloves okay. for the better me. part for the better part of 11 years i went through two different gloves and the manufacturer wilson Right. The first the, the the first person in my life to ever hand me a baseball, my grandfather, George Edward Downs, aka Tiny. Oh God, he had a baseball nickname too. All right. Tiny was the first person to hand me a baseball. 
And he only gave me the baseball when he said, when you learn the game, he, I saw two baseballs and I was so in the house and I was so excited and I reached for one and he stopped me. And he said, when you learn the game, I will give you this. I will give you these baseballs. Oh, wow. See, that was his, that was his caveat. So he taught you the rite of passage. So, yep. Oh, wow. So when you you learn, he said it, when you learn the game, I will give you both of these baseballs. He wanted you to treasure the sport. Yes. Awesome. That's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. He wanted me to appreciate, and to this day, I do. And here's I appreciate. I appreciate baseball. I do too. Like, like people don't under people don't understand how much I love baseball. He was so funny about they don't. I agree with you. He was so funny about this too. You remember why it was such a proud thing for your grandfather and your father. And yes, or my father and my step grandfather, because we they weren't talking when we were young. They weren't talking about basketball as much. They weren't yep. talking about football as much. Right? They may, have taught, they may have taught boxing a little bit, but the pride was baseball because that was the sport. Yes, that allowed us to play on the professional level before any other. Because joining us. Hey, Kaz, where are you located? I want to shout you out properly. He says, stream looks so good. Thank you very much. I appreciate so it. We appreciate it. Hey, we got a Twitch comment now. It's reaching awesome. everybody. That's right. Love it. Good, because. Abs- absolutely, absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. But my dad made me appreciate the game even more by taking me to Sox games. Yeah. And say with me with Astros games. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Hello. We're really international now. He's coming to us from Japan. Oh, from Sweet. J- All right. Good. Well, good. Sweet. Evening. <laughs> good evening. Good evening to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. man, but but see, like I said, dad made me appreciate baseball by taking me to games. Both men had me learn the game. Yes. And that was important. That was important. Because I remember when I would when I would go to those games with Dad when I was six, seven, eight in the Astrodome. Mm-hmm. For you, the Astrodome, and for yeah. me, Old Comiskey old, Park. Old Comiskey. My father made it a point to explain how the game would go and what 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 I was seeing mm-hmm. every single situation, so that when I got of age, I could actually appreciate it myself and I could look at it from his eyes. And it would get to the point where we would actually have conversations. All right, so what do you see here? Okay, I see you run on first. Dude! Dude! Run on first and second. Um, now, if I was the manager of the of the, of the team that's at, uh, at bat, I'd try to bunt them over. Yes! Now if, now, if I now if I was the pitching team, I'd try to throw I'd try to throw nothing but pitches low, so I can force a ground ball <laughs> and get a double play. Yes. I mean, we would have those types of conversations. We, we'd have conversations. The same with my father. We'd have conversations from a pitcher standpoint and a batter standpoint, mm-hmm. especially with runners on base. Carl right. Williams joining us via LinkedIn. What's, What's the difference Carl? between a great player and a really good player from a fan's perspective in both sports? I believe the difference is obvious in one sport and the other. You get who you want as a team, perhaps personalities and team chemistry. 
a thought. Yeah. That's a thought right there. That's a great thought. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to us via YouTube and, and, and Twitch. We're on every morning. Going to take a break, and when we come back, we will honor the captain of the Knicks. Yes. And believe me, I may not have watched a lot of his games, but there's one important one that put me on to one Willis Reed. Back in a flash. This is Snowman in the Morning. Here's an important message from the Diabetes Solution Center. Do you like pricking your fingers to test your blood sugar levels? No one does, but it's important to maintain your health. And now, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you don't need to prick your fingers anymore. It's easy to use and helps you make more accurate diabetes treatment decisions. If you are testing your blood sugar three or more times daily, injecting insulin, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetes Solution Center right now. And if you have Medicare or most major insurance coverage, you may be able to get a new CGM at little to no out-of-pocket cost. Shipping is free and will even bill your insurance company for you. If you are testing your blood sugar three or more times daily, injecting insulin, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetes Solution Center right now to learn how to end the painful finger sticks and get your own continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, at little to no out-of-pocket cost. That's why we here on this platform. Marriage. A loving splendor. A daily grind. Such is the case when Damien and Jamie get together and chop it up. For marriage is real. Just, let's just lay it all out here. Let's just be real with it. Join this wonderful couple who keeps it real and always in love. BS3 Network proudly presents Marriage is Real, where love is the only thing that matters. Live every Tuesday at 8.30 Central. Oh, and Jamie has something to say. Deuces and trays. SeatGeek is the ticketing app for fans like the High Five Strangers Guy. Game-winning interception. First down. Just a nice, solid tackle. If you're in arm's length, you will be swapping skin with this extrovert. You see, he knows SeatGeek got him a great deal on tickets, so he can focus on what he does best. Smacking palms. SeatGeek handles the tickets to sports, concerts, and more, so fans can fan. The original Think Drink is back. Level up with proven ingredients formulated to crush your competition. No gimmicks, no jitters, no messing around. Just high-potency results that keep you moving day or night. There's a new nerd in town, and we came to play. Nerd Focus. Smarter than energy. Because we take this job so serious. I'm sorry. I, I did that all wrong. I did that all wrong. My bad. Let's do it right, will you? Uh, oh, God. Brother Guess. I'm so glad, Ryan, that you here on Coffee with McCarthy. I love you. 
What in the all types of blue hell? Yes, it's Snowman in the Morning with Cole Johnson. Brother Guest. We love you, brother, brother, yes. brother, yes. <laughs> 47 after the hour. I'm the snowman. That's Cole Sports with a Z. Man, I just love talking sports with you, man. Thank We're you. on the air every day. It's it's fun. It's in, very informative, too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's very informative. Speaking of which, uh, the NBA world was informed that a captain from Grambling has died at the age of 80, and his name is Willis Reed. Number 19. 19. Number 19. I mean, what can you say about someone that hit two baskets in a seventh game and couldn't continue because of such a horrid injury. Right. And yet those two baskets sent 19,563 in Madison Square Garden into a frenzy. Yeah, you would have thought either one of those was the game winner. But that right. happened in the first quarter. Yeah. And, and the Knicks won by 14. Yeah. They won that game by 14, 113 to 99. And what's lost in that is that Walt Frazier scored 36 points Mm -hmm. in that game. Walt Frazier took the mantle and said, all right, let's get busy. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. But it's those two baskets by Willis Reed. Mm -hmm. Both of those on jump shots. Pay attention, LeBron. And, and Reed didn't. Reed wasn't at his best at all since no, game five no. of that series. No, he wasn't at all. Will Chamberlain was was dominating that series, and the Knicks mm-hmm. figured out how to defend him for one game and one game only. And what was that game? Game seven. Yeah. Rest in peace, Chris Schenkel, as well, who called that game for ABC. And and and, and let's not get it twisted. It wasn't that Willis Reed had a bad finals. No. I mean, Willis Reed was the first player in NBA history to win the regular season MVP, the all-star game MVP, and the finals MVP. The first player to complete that triple crown. I mean, the dude got busy. I mean, Mm -hmm. in the finals, 32 and 15. So he he wasn't a slouch. It wasn't a, okay, well, he was a bit player. Nope. And he, he went down. All of a sudden, he was an inspirational figure and, you know, and, and basically hit two jumpers on on one leg. No, he, he was more than that. He actually was a really good player on a solid all-around team. He was a hell of a player. Yeah. He was a, he was a hell of a player. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rest in peace, number 19, Willis Reed. And if I may do an impression of one John Condon, at center, number 19, Captain Willis Reed. When he got introduced for game seven, and you heard that from John Condon. Oh, my gosh. You would have, you would have thought, the, you would, seriously would have thought the roof in Master Square Garden was going to come off or cave in or, 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 or something. Implode. Man, yeah. they, you, thought they were, you thought they were going to blow the roof off the joint. Mm-hmm. 
because people were thinking or, he wasn't going to start or even play. Or in the words of Keith Jackson, they were about to peel the paint off the joint. And he was right. The way the way they exploded for they that. Ward. Was... Okay. Look, the most Chris Shankle and company at ABC were setting up the game. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they spot Willis Reed coming out. Yep. Mm-hmm. What a moment. Yeah. What a moment. And, and that, I and mean, that's... Larry Bird repeated it in 1991 when he fell on his face and had to go back to the locker room to get treatment. But Willis Reed. Yeah. During, they were, they were questioning during that broadcast. I believe I have the original broadcast from ABC. They were questioning to that moment. To that moment. If Willis mm-hmm. Reed was going to play. They talked about his injury. Again, the late Chris Schenkel mm-hmm. called that game. Rest in peace, Chris Schenkel. They were questioning up until that moment if they were going to play the if they were going to play the game if he was going to play the game or not. They were setting that up, and then they see him walk out. Yep. And when Willis Reed walked out, that was it. That was it. That, that was it for the Lakers too. The that, game yeah, was, was done. Yeah. yeah. The game was over. Because that after was a huge boost for Willis Reed whole, walked out. That was a huge boost for the Knicks. I mean, the, I mean, they played as though it was like they played as though it was like they had they were on life support, and all of a sudden they got an EKG joke, and then the next thing you know, they had it looked like they played like they had a new lease on life. And he and he hit a couple of jumpers in the warmups, mm-hmm. and they went nuts. They went nuts. I'm, and you mentioned it. We're talking about a team that had Walt Frazier on it, that had mm-hmm. Bill Bradley on it, that had Dave, Dave Busher on it. So we're not talking about slouches on this team no. where it was like it was just him and not, nobody else. Not at all. But that next team was stacked in 1970. You had stacked players and you had all of them follow the lead of number 19. That was how great of an impact Willis Reed had on the Knicks. And let's not forget Red Holtzman. Oh, yeah, the coach of the team. Who was the, who was the coach of the Knicks at the time? And how... He put that team together. Everybody in New York yes. was, was hyped up for Game Seven. I got a piece of Marv Albert's call because Marv Albert was Ooh, joined the Knicks yes. five years earlier. Yeah, I was about to say not not brand new, but newish. Yeah, I mean Phil ja- Phil Jackson was on that team, number eighteen. Right. Yeah, he was off the bench. Right. Thank you, Sick Diggy, for that. Phil Jackson was on that team. Yeah. Defensive stalwart came off yeah. the bench. That's how Red Holtzman used him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the. And, and so he was pay atten- like the pay attention, he Darvin Ham. He was sort of like the uh, the the precursor to a Kerb Rampus type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that was that's and, and if you watch any basketball in the and if you watch any kind of basketball in the eighties, you know the legend of Kurt Rambis, mm-hmm. aka Clark Kent. Yeah, let me call him in Los Angeles. Yeah, he was he was yeah he was the guy that you didn't call on him for points. You didn't necessarily call him for rebounds. You basically call him for defensive defensive pressure and mm-hmm. hustle plays. And what gets and crowds, what gets a home crowd more hyped than anything? A well-timed block, a well-timed steal, or a well-timed save from uh from the ball going out of bounds and it starts a fast break. Any one of those three things that sends a home crowd in a frenzy, 
and you value players like that. That was the type of player that Phil Jackson was. I got a present for you. Hmm. I got to put something together. In Game 6, the Lakers took the floor with defense of their title hanging in the balance. A battered Isaiah Thomas performed heroically for Detroit. But it wasn't enough. The Lakers escaped with a victory, forcing tonight's dramatic seventh game showdown. This has been a series of startling contrasts. From the friendships off the court, to the fierce hostility on it. We witnessed the youthful exuberance of the challengers and the poise of the champions. There's been hardship and pain, but not enough to overcome sheer guts and determination. These teams have fought each other to a standstill, and tonight their destiny will be determined. It's just a question of who can endure this final hurdle. The Lakers hope to repeat history tonight, while the Pistons hope to make some. A championship is at stake, and only one team's prayers will be answered. Can we have that age of the NBA come back? June of two, um, June of nineteen eighty-eight. Nineteen eighty-eight. Man, let me yeah. say that year. Why it's a, it's approaching the top of the hour and I love it. Listen, bronsexuals, the year again, nineteen eighty eight, one of the greatest final series ever, ever. And and this is coming, this this is coming from one person who at the time could not stand the Pistons and got to dislike them even further <laughs> as the yep. years went on. And yep. a guy, and 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 a guy who, yeah, it was like it, it was it was painful to see the Lakers go to the finals year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And the Pistons, yeah, I I didn't really root for them, and but it's the one time different. they were the best. They were the best team in the West, and they were the best team in the West easily, easily. I mean, to the point where the only two times they did not make it to the finals, it was the Rockets that they that knocked them out in eighty one and eighty six. Yep. Every other year in the '80s, the Lakers were the Western Conference reps. The Lakers the were the Western Conference reps. They were the so, West- it, yeah. So by that time, I was like, man, anybody but the Lakers, right? So, so but you also yes. appre- but you also appreciated that. But it, uh, yeah. But it you was also appreciated the, that time. It was one of the best finals I ever seen. One of the best I've ever seen. Before or since, one of the best I've ever seen. Thank you. Thank you. Because how can you, how can people say that that wasn't the greatest series? One or one thereof. If it's the greatest, if you're, if, if, if you're like, okay, well, 84, I'd say, okay, I, I, I wouldn't argue that. that. Yeah, man, 1984. This spectacular series has had everything. Thank you, Brent Musburger, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. eighty four was spectacular. Yeah. Eighty eight was off the charts. Yeah, and of course, you know, well, and and 
or for you any and for you personally any of the six in the 90s for you with the bulls yep and 94 Absolutely. for me you know personally of course there'd be there'd be one that would rank higher but just as analysts mm-hmm. yeah 84 88 to me 94 i liked and that was yeah. been, and that's distancing myself as a rockets fan um <laughs> thank you akeem olajuwon for that yeah. block in game number six mm-hmm. yeah uh even though it, even though it was ugly in terms of offense 2010 wasn't too bad west you know, final west finals of 02 Oh, what uh, is your yeah, favorite? And, yeah, what is and, your and, favorite? Yeah. What the, a question? That let's light it up right. Let's light it up right now before we begin hour two. What is your favorite playoff series that you have witnessed? It, it, just put the year down you're and going to the level. You're going. You're you're going to um. You're going to be shocked as as the one I'm going to say. Try me. My favorite all time. My favorite series of of all time. 1993 Western Conference Semifinals, Sonics Rockets. I'm and not shocked. Is, and I'm, this I've is watched a, every I watched mm-hmm. every minute of that series. Yeah, you could to me you could not have found a more evenly matched mm-hmm. series than that one. And the four games in Seattle, you <sighs> thought they were in the kingdom. Yeah, I mean the atmosphere was absolutely rockets game seven the rockets game silenced the crowd and took a big lead yep and then all of a sudden the third quarter happened yep and the sonics just ate at that lead and then it was just never taught the rest of the way and took overtime for the sonics to overcome it and yes and i'm saying that all of a sudden the third all of a sudden the third period happened yeah and 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 I'm, i'm saying that as a rockets fan yeah it was disappointing that they lost in seven but Again, distancing myself as an analyst. I mean, as a fan, right. looking at it as an right, analyst, right, right, right. That was that was one of the most well played series I've ever seen in my life. Rocket Sonics '87, and Six Rocket Sonics '87 comes close. And yeah, and, and that yeah, was in, a in series, folks. That was a war. Yeah, and it's in, in a six game series. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, that was a six game war. Olajuwon's performance in Game Six. Oh God, he was a beast in that game. Oh, that that, that, that was that was heartbreaking. Points. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. He put he put his heart and soul on that court, and the and the, he couldn't he couldn't bring the he couldn't bring couldn't, the Rockets to a W. Yeah, it couldn't will them to a win. Couldn't I mean, will them to a win. And I if mean, he did, game, I think they would have won that series. But that, just, that game was so evenly matched. Yeah, that that game and that series game. was so evenly matched. Yeah, you know that's game six is one of those games you get in trouble for staying up late mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get in trouble for that because the next the next day. I swear to you, in the lunchroom, that's the game we were talking about. Yeah, that's the game. We, that's the game we were talking about. Yeah, I mean, every time Olajuwon had a made a difficult shot, it just seemed like the Sonics made an even they more an difficult shot. They had an answer with a more difficult shot. Yeah, Dale Ellis, anyone? <laughs> Chambers. Oh, yeah. Tom Cha- Chambers had what thirty eight. I think yeah, he finished yeah. thirty eight in that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Houston takes Houston takes the lead. This is in regulation. Houston takes the lead. No, I, t- I take it back. That was this was in first in the first overtime. Houston takes the lead, and all of a sudden, you see Chambers flying up the floor, mm-hmm. and they find him. And Robert Reed found him on that dunk. I don't know how that. I don't know how that. Those two franchises play. They, how they the played, hell they did played Tom, some great series, man? How the hell did Tom Chambers? 
beat everybody down the floor. I don't know. I don't know. How did he beat that, everybody? Because Olajuwon made a hell of a shot. Yeah. Beforehand. TV, I agree with you. If I Taylor was that. here today, oh my gosh, he would be up there with with uh with Damian Lillard and, and Stephen Curry as yes in the game. Abs- absolutely. No, no I question have, about it. No, I have I have no no lie can be found with that None. statement. None. Because he has broken my heart plenty of time watching him just hit a, <laughs> hit a key three or a key jumper against the Rockets. Oh I mean, man. 87 game 87 game six before we go to before we go to hour two. 87 game six. Rockets had the lead. 123 to 121. We're in double overtime. Elijah and to give him the lead, Elijah Wan hit this impossible shot. Yeah. He was where he worked on this. On lead. the left ba- on the left baseline. They surrounded him. Alton Lister, Tom Chambers, they surrounded him. Or as Jim Durham would say, they sent the posse after him. <laughs> yeah, he was to the point where he was to the point where his game evolved to where you had to yep. send as many people as you could to stop him. And they sent a posse after him. All he does is turn around and hits an impossible fadeaway. And I'm looking at that going, how? A big a big man doing it. Right. And then the net and then the trip down trip down the floor you're thinking okay they don't have an answer Dale Ellis hits a 22 footer yeah and everybody everybody in Seattle goes nuts and they hear the PA man go Ellis and I know Cole's face was like not again what the fuck is that yeah just when just when I think that just I think we have this game wrapped and we're gonna bring it and we're gonna bring it back to the summit no (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) 